James chapter 5, and we're going to begin at verse 7. Just read a few scriptures there tonight. Praise God. Thankful again for, amen, the opportunity to be here tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. We love everybody tonight. Praise God. Amen. Love you all. Appreciate you. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you would, stand for the reading of God's word if you're not already. And you're able to, amen, if you don't have that Bible, amen, you can look at the screen tonight, amen, James chapter 5, we're going to begin at verse 7, everybody got it, say amen. Amen. amen, be patient therefore brethren, until the coming of the Lord, behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and then long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain, but be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge stands before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy, which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Hallelujah. They're going to blast the shofar. We want you to get the Lord. Come on, let's praise him for this word tonight. Hallelujah. That's already established. Praise God. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. In the process. Amen. Patience in the process. We are certainly living in unusual times. Amen. Can I get it? Amen. Praise the Lord. But can I tell you that nothing catches God by surprise? Nothing catches God off guard. Nothing is uh, it is taking him, uh, amen, sidetracking him or keeping him on edge. Hallelujah. God is in control. He is sovereign. Hallelujah. And he is faithful with his people. Praise God. And we are certainly, amen, as much as we are living in, uh, amen, unusual times. And praise God. And they are uncertain because we're not sure, amen, of, uh, you know, used to in uh, of the culture and in the, even in the church. We can kind of... Uh, uh, surmise what the day or the week or thing was going to be like, but now we just never know, amen, because of the uncertain times, but I'm thankful tonight that God is in the season that we are in, amen, and I'm excited about uh, the season on God's calendar that we're about ready to uh, go into, amen, here in just a couple of weeks, amen, but uh, James chapter 5, it begins 
When you read the beginning of the chapter, a man is speaking about the wealthy who had gained by taking from their laborers. Amen. It speaks about the wealthy who had uh, got their money by ill-gotten gain. Amen. They had fraudulently, amen, held back money that did not belong to them, but it belonged, amen, to, uh, amen, others, the laborers, the workers, amen. Uh, it belonged to them, amen, and they had uh, fraudulently gained that wealth, amen. And this is what the beginning, amen, uh, of chapter 5 speaks about. It talks about the wicked rich men, as the Bible calls them, amen, and uh, the, the cries of the harvesters had reached God, amen, those that had worked and labored in the fields, those that should have received compensation, those that should have received pay for what they had done, but it was held back or, or withheld by the rich wealthy men, amen, uh, uh, the Bible says that they cried out to God, and now the cries of the harvesters had reached God. Do I have any harvesters in the tabernacle tonight? Is there anybody? Amen. Who is a laborer in the vineyard of our God. Hallelujah. Amen. Rest assured that your cries are reaching the master. Amen. Praise God. The Bible says that they had condemned. James said that they had condemned and they had murdered the just and the upright. And now judgment was going to come upon them. Can I tell you that God will take care of the wicked. It may seem like the wicked is getting away with uh, the things and there's no recompense, but I promise you uh, that God has never failed, amen, to uh, pay back, hallelujah, or recompense, praise the Lord, uh, amen, the wicked. So judgment was going to come. Uh, he even spoke and said, the Lord of Sabaoth, uh, amen, the Lord of Sabaoth. And when you look at that word of Sabaoth, it literally means armies, Amen. So it was saying that the Lord of the armies was going to fight on their behalf. Amen. He is the God of angel armies tonight. Hallelujah. You can't get much higher than that when God is speaking about fighting for your behalf. Hallelujah. So he said the Lord of Sabaoth, hallelujah, is going to come and fight and bring judgment. Hallelujah. So the Lord of the army. Amen. If God before us, really, who else can be against us? Can I say it like this? It doesn't matter who else is against us because God is for us. This is why we must stay in, hallelujah, the, the boundaries of this covenant. We must stay in the mercies and the grace and the favor of God, especially as we move forward in these times that we are living. Hallelujah, there are things that are coming. I don't mean to keep repeating that, but I truly believe there are things that are coming. Hallelujah, and we need to be prepared, be ready. We need to have our face toward the master. We need to have our face set like flint toward those who are resisting the truth. We need to make sure that we have on the whole armor of God, amen, that we might be able to resist the wiles of the devil, amen. Anybody in the house want to be ready and be prepared? I want to be ready tonight. Hallelujah. So 
while we see, amen, in the first of five or six verses that this is what James is speaking about. Amen. The wicked rich men, and they are warned of God's judgments. Hallelujah. And God said that he is going to, amen, come down, and he is going to fight. And so here I want to be on, the, hallelujah, the side of his favor. Amen. When the Lord of Sabaoth comes down, I don't want to be on the side of his wrath. Come on, somebody. Do you understand me? But I want to be on the side of his favor. Hallelujah. Then it begins in verse 7. Amen. So he is telling them, amen, in verse 6, that they had condemned and they had murdered. Amen. The just men. They had murdered and condemned. Hallelujah. That one, hallelujah, praise God, that didn't deserve it to, amen, to be, amen, murdered or resisted. But now in verse 7, hallelujah, he begins to talk to the harvesters. He begins to talk to the ones who have labored, to the ones who have cried out to God. He begins to talk to the ones who have got God's attention. He begins to talk to the ones who are the reason why James is speaking, amen, and the oracles that he is speaking in this chapter. So now he begins to speak, amen, to the ones who have been persecuted, the ones who have been, hallelujah, mistreated, the ones who have been unjustly, amen, treated, the ones who have not received what they did. Deserve the ones who have been, uh, hallelujah, forsaken or neglected. Uh, the ones who cried out to him, uh, hallelujah, praise God, I can hear them. Uh, I can imagine that their cries went up to God. Uh, amen, saying, God, we don't understand. Uh, we work and we give and we do our best. Uh, amen, we integra our integrity. Uh, we did not slack. Uh, Hallelujah. We did not get a fallback. We did not resist. Hallelujah. But we continued to work and to do and to sow. Amen. Even though we did not receive amen compensation. And now James is talking to those. So now I want to shift and talk to my harvesters tonight. Amen. To the ones that are here. Hallelujah. The laborers in the field. Amen. The ones who have said, hallelujah, it doesn't matter how bad it gets, it doesn't matter how difficult it becomes, I'm going to keep on doing what yeah. I'm supposed to do. Be not weary in well-doing, yeah. for in due season you shall reap that which you sow if you faint not. Come on, somebody, do you hear me? Do I have a few harvesters yeah. in the house tonight?
He is settled and said judgment will come. Amen. And I will repay. Hallelujah. But I need you to be patient. Amen. Harvesters. Come on somebody. Do you hear me? He said I need you to be patient. Those of you that are enduring this hardship. Those of you that are working. And it feels like you're not receiving. Hallelujah. What you anticipated. Or I say what even was owed you. We don't do and serve because he owes us anything. But there are blessings in the covenant of God. And there is favor that belong to the children of God. Come on somebody. I need you to help me say with me. I'm just laying a foundation here. Hallelujah. He said I need you to be patient. Brethren, those of you that are enduring hardship. Yes, right. Be patient. What a lovely word. Patience. Look at your neighbor and say, be patient. Be patient. We're talking about patience in the process. Be patient. An oyster will get a foreign object. A lot of times, a piece of sand in its mantle or its shell. Now its mantle is that that inner layer, that amen, and in the inside of the shell that is just amen before the fleshly parts. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I, I could preach there on the mantle for a little bit. Hallelujah. Because we know that we have a mantle of anointing. Amen. That protects us. Come on somebody. That protects us and who we are. Hallelujah. But how many know sometimes Amen. Things can get in. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. Praise God. An oyster will get that foreign object a lot of times a piece of sand, but sometimes it's a piece of bacteria. It could be any kind of foreign object in its mantle or its shell. Now, usually the oyster can locate it and expel that foreign object out of there. Let's just say for... Uh, amen. Practical purposes. That piece of sand, that grain of sand. Amen. And he can uh, usually he can get that object out of there. Amen. Locate it. Figure out where it's at and get rid of it. Expel it. But sometimes that oyster struggles with all of his might, but can't seem to get rid of it. Amen. He'll struggle really hard and work diligently to get that, to expel that thing that's ir irritating him. Now, you know, when you get a fleck of dust in your eye, or you get a piece of sand, how many ever got a piece of sand in your eye? It feels like it's this big, right? Amen. And it irritates and you've got to get it out. Hallelujah. That's one thing that'll get Luann moving. She'll come, my gosh, get this out of my eye. Get this out of my eye. Hallelujah. Amen. You know that Amen. You've got to get it out of there. And you'll work diligently. Amen. To get that thing out of there. Because it begins to irritate. Hallelujah. But sometimes that oyster will struggle with everything that he's got. And it still, he still can't seem to get rid of that grain of sand. Amen. Now that oyster realizes that it can't change it. It realizes that it's not going to go anywhere and that it has worked, amen, diligently. Uh, and unfortunately, amen, it's not got the results 
that it wanted, amen, and it knows that it can't change it, amen, and it becomes irritated, it becomes frustrated, amen, that oyster can become exacerbated, hallelujah, things can go from bad to worse, can I get an amen in this place, hallelujah, he gets frustrated and, uh, amen, irritated. Praise the Lord. Uh, things just seem to get worse and worse. So uh, we know to provide relief, uh, amen, that oyster begins to secrete a liquid uh, called nacre. Amen. Now, nacre comes from a couple of other things, amen. But bottom line, uh, hallelujah, it begins to produce this liquid or this fluid uh, called nacre. Amen. And as it begins to Secrete this liquid. It begins to coat that grain of sand. Hallelujah. And it begins to coat it over and over and over. Amen. And that grain of sand and that anacre begins to calcify. It begins to harden. Amen. As this oyster, amen, begins to continue to make it and produce it. And pretty soon it makes a pearl. You know, that thing that you spend a lot of money for. That thing that we, amen, see as a great value. We spend a lot of money on, amen, a pearl. Hallelujah. We pay top dollar for that. But can I tell you, as much as we pay for it, a pearl is just the fruit of a frustrated oyster. It's nothing but, amen, the fruit of an oyster who became irritated, frustrated, exacerbated. Things went from bad to worse. Now, come on, somebody, and now it is a great value. Hallelujah. But it really is just a fruit of a frustrated oyster. Amen. But can I tell you, without the grain of sand, without those irritants, amen, the irritation, the frustration, the annoyance, the disappointment, hallelujah, without all of that, there would be no pearl. Somebody, do you understand me? Hallelujah. Amen. And in order to produce the treasure, because you see, Jesus said, Amen, that we have a treasure in us. Hallelujah. It is a pearl of great price. Hallelujah. Amen. It has a lot of value. But without the grain of sand, without the irritation and the frustration and the disappointment and the pain and the hurt and the continuing doing it over and over and over, and you got to keep producing, amen, until it is calcified. Without that, there would be no treasure in us. Without that, there would be no pearl of great price. So in order to produce a treasure, that pearl of great price, there has to be sand. There has to be, oh come on somebody, help me in this place. I'm not going to keep you long tonight. Hallelujah, but there has to be sand. And it's the same thing in our walk and our growth in God. That without the sand, without the irritants, the things that frustrate us, without, amen, the things that disappoint us, 
without those things, amen, that we try again and again, over and over with all of our might to get rid of, but it seems I have to say, now we have to pray, we have to produce, amen, the Holy Spirit, we have to produce, continue to produce, that which is going to, amen, cover that irritant that God is going to take it now. Come on, are you with me? Hallelujah. Amen. Now, we have to do that in order to get the treasure. Amen. It's simply the process. Amen. It's what we uh, will refer to as the process. Because you see, here's the thing. We want the destination, but we don't want the process. Come on, somebody. We want to get the peace, the joy, the hope, the victory, the breakthrough, the reward. We want to make it. It ain't that we don't want to make it. It ain't that we don't love the Lord. It's just we don't want the process. But can I tell you about the things in life that bring irritation, without the trials and the tribulations that God says, amen, as much as you try to get rid of it, I've got to let it stay. Now you begin to release that dunamis power that is in you, that living water that is in you. You begin to produce that. And I'm telling you, when this is all over, you're going to possess a treasure, a pearl of great price. Somebody help me in this place tonight. Hallelujah. But you've got to be patient in the process. Bringing you off the Lord. See, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians. I said Ephesians, didn't I? Sounds like I'm going efficient. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that we are God's workmanship. So that means he's always in the process of changing us. Growing us, making us in his image. You know how it works. The silversmith, we preached it before. You've heard it, amen, other places. Otherwise, hallelujah, amen. That uh, a silversmith, uh, they, you, you, they, they, they put that uh, silver in the fire, amen. And they, they, they put the fire in the, under the silver and it causes the dross or the impurities to come up out of the silver. They skim off the dross. Then what they do, they turn up the fire. Amen. Because of the higher heat causes more dross to come out of the silver. Amen. And as long as dross, as long as impurities is coming to the top, they'll skim it off and turn up the fire. You say, well, how will they know that the silver is pure? How will they know that it's ready when they can see their reflection in the silver? Amen. So it's God who determines when you're ready. Amen. To produce the pearl. It's God that determines, hallelujah, when there's enough. It's God who decides when enough is enough. Come on, somebody. Do you hear me? Hallelujah. I know it ain't a lot to shout about tonight. Praise God. But if you understand that we are his workmanship. That word workmanship in the Greek, as it's used here, is the word poema. It's where we get the English word poem. So we can literally say that we are God's masterpiece. Yes, we are. Amen. Absolutely. We are literally 
God's poema. We are his masterpiece. So the grains of sand are life's irritations. It's God's purpose for us. It's God's divine purpose for us. You say, well, why? I don't, I don't know that, that I really want to grasp all of that. But when you think about pearls of great price, look at the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. All the heroes of faith were pearls of great price. Look at Joseph. He was rejected by his brothers, sold off into slavery, dumped in a pit, Lied on, accused of rape, when it wasn't true, and as a result of that, was put in prison for years. When God had given him a dream, God had told him that your brothers will serve you. You will be. Come on, but here he is. Hallelujah. He's got to keep producing that knackery. He's got to keep producing Amen. That which is covering that sand, that irritant, amen, that is in him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But God eventually yes, Lord. takes Joseph from the pit to the palace. And he fulfills what he spoke. Look at Moses. Moses was taken out of his homeland and put on the backside of a desert to tend sheep. Come on, somebody, do you hear me? On the backside of the desert, hallelujah, that God had chosen him to be a deliverer, hallelujah. But the process, amen, getting there wasn't, amen, always favorable. I'm talking to somebody tonight who is in the process, amen. I've already, I've already repented, I've already applied it to my life because I'm in the process. I will tell you that I'm in a process right now, hallelujah, in my life, in my spiritual walk, hallelujah. When the Lord began to speak this to me, I was like, Know that I want to go there, hallelujah, praise God, amen, but amen, you know it doesn't take but just a few seconds to say, okay, whatever you say, right, hallelujah, patience in the process, hallelujah, amen, look at David, David was anointed to be king, he was chosen, he was of value, but it took, amen, it was 14, 15 years of David running and hiding, amen, that grain of sand, God in his mantle, amen, and his kingly anointing, amen, before he can rise up and take the position and the dominion and the authority, hallelujah, what am I trying to tell you, hallelujah, that God's purpose, amen, will be revealed with the grains of sand, hallelujah, that pearl of great price, see, here's the thing, amen, we often want the victory of the empty tomb, but we don't want the suffering of the cross. We want the victory of the empty tomb, but we don't want the suffering of the cross. But can I tell you, if you're going to walk in resurrection power, you have first got to be crucified unto Christ. Come on, somebody. I told you this ain't shouting message. And some of you might have thought, well, I should have stayed home like I thought about. 
I hear you. I feel you. I hear that. Amen. In your spirit, praise God. But let me tell you something. God wants you to know in these things that are coming up upon us, be patient. Amen. Be patient, harvesters. Do not get weary in what you're doing. Keep on doing right, because doing right is always the right thing to do. Whether anybody else is doing it or not, it's always the right thing to do. Come on, somebody, do you hear me? You're not always going to win the popularity contest. You're not always going to be everybody's favorite preacher. You're not always going to be everybody's favorite person. You're not always going to be somebody's choice to befriend you. Hallelujah, but in the end, those things will not matter when we stand before the great I am. Come on, somebody. Do you hear me? I've had people tell me before, you're not really my favorite preacher. What you going to say to Okay. You might not be my favorite person. Come on. Hallelujah. We want the victory of that empty tomb, Brother Shane, but we don't want the suffering of the cross. So he says, be patient. Let's look at verse 7. Be patient. Harvesters, look at your neighbor again say, be patient. This, this be patient, it is a compound word in the Greek. It is two words in the English. But in the Greek, it is a compound word. And it is the word macro Macrothemeo. So, themeo is where we get the word thermometer. What does a thermometer do? It measures the heat. It measures the heat. Macro means long. So we got we got macrothemeo. Thumio is thermometer, which measures heat, and we got uh, macro, which is long. Amen? I, hallelujah. So if I can put that in hillbilly terms, uh, when you get heated, come on somebody, hallelujah, what happens? You become angry, right? You become distressed. You become frustrated. You become irritated like that oyster when you can't get rid of that sand. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. But the heat has to keep being turned up if it's going to, amen, release the impurity. Hallelujah. So every time the heat is turned up, release. Amen. The fluid. Release the living water. Amen. So if I can put it in hillbilly terms, amen, is it's going to be a long time to be angry. Amen. Hallelujah. Being patient means it's going to be a long time to feel the heat. It's going to be a long time to be frustrated. It's going to be a long time to feel that. The temperature's going to rise. But can I tell you, that's why patience implies adversity. It is yeah. an implication of difficult times. People say, don't pray for patience. You don't have to. If you walk in the favor and obedience of God, hallelujah, he will teach it to you on his own. If you are submitted to him, you ain't got to say, Lord, give me patience. Give me patience. Hallelujah, because he will allow, amen, the irritants and the trials and the tribulations to get past your mantle and to get into where you are. But while you're laboring, sowing, hallelujah, doing what you are, are supposed to do, 
shows up and brings his glory. Hallelujah. Remember, you are his masterpiece. So he is not going to let you be destroyed. He is not going to let you be defeated. He is not willing that any should perish. Amen. Before salvation and after salvation. Come on, somebody. Do you hear me in this place? The devil is a liar, always been a liar, and he is the root. Amen. And he births every lie that has ever been spoken. Amen. There's nothing in him that can speak the truth. All that is in him produces deceit. Yes. Father so this, this is not going to last. What did you hear him say? Be patient. Because it will come to an end. It will come to an end. Come on. There will be an expiration date. So count it all joy. Keep on counting. If you go to bed tonight and it ain't over, but you get up in the morning, it could be the very day. Come on, somebody. The very time that, amen, the enemy tells you there's no use to go to, to, to church tonight. Amen. You show up anyhow. That could be, amen, the release of that pearl of great price. Come on, somebody. Do you hear me? Remember that you are his masterpiece. I don't want to tell somebody tonight. You were created on purpose. For his purpose. On purpose. There's no accident. You know, a lot of times when there's several years between two siblings, the younger one is usually called the accident. Right? You wasn't playing. Mom. I was 10 when you was born, right? Everything was good until you came along. A little accident. I told you before, I wasn't planned. Not by my parents. But God had a plan. And He chose them to be my earthly parents. Are you with me? So you're created on purpose. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. You are not a complete failure. You are not worthless. You have no, uh, you are not a man to God. You are his masterpiece. Amen. You are his masterpiece. Now the enemy will lie to you. You are his workmanship. He created you. He destined you before your mom and dad even found out. In some cases, they weren't in love. Before they even consummated a relationship, he had you in mind. He set a destiny over your life. Now, he can't control the fact that we're all created in sin. And we're all born into sin. We're all born with propensity to be complete messes. And it doesn't take long for it to show up. You can say, oh, I, I, don't, I don't look. 
I don't look Jim Bob. I, I'm not going to whoop him until he's three or four because he doesn't understand what he's doing. Boy, are you fooled. natural to him. And once he's acquainted with that, then he'll do all that he can to be familiar with it. And he'll keep doing it again and again and again and again until somebody says, hold on. We don't do that. That's not acceptable. Doesn't make him a bad boy. Doesn't make him a terrible boy. It makes him human. Because see, we act the same way, which is older. Sometimes we act even childish, like we're still three, four, or five years old, and we'll do it over and over and over and over again, and the Holy Spirit is saying, that's not acceptable, but we'll do it again and again and again. Are you with me? You were created for his purpose. And he made you on purpose. Look at somebody and say, you were on purpose. But here's the thing. When it comes to growing... When it comes to growing in our relationship, when it comes to the process, <coughs> I'm not sick. I thought as I started coughing tonight and I had that fit on Sunday, I thought, Lord, have mercy. Because I'm sick. I'm not sick. It just, it's just a thing with me. And once it gets there and gets started, it takes a while to get past it. Hallelujah. But we want everything right. We'll accept the process as long as it's quick. But can I tell you, there's no microwaves in the process, only slow cookers. God's crock pot. If you're not careful, you'll become a crock pot. If you don't submit and surrender, come on. You will feel like you're losing your mind. But there's only slow cookers in the process. Slow and steady. Come on. So can I, can I tell you that patience is not a suggestion. God didn't suggest patience. Waiting on the Lord is not optional. Because he that waits on the Lord shall renew their strength. It is just not optional. Can I tell you the only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing you had? Yeah. Well, well, well. Come on, man. The only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing that you had. How many have ever been there? I wish that I would have waited on God. I wish that I would have trusted the process. Amen. So this is why verse 7, verse 7 is full of some stuff. He said, be patient. Harvesters until the coming of the Lord, until the Lord shows up. Behold, consider, think about the farmer. 
He said, think about the farmer. See, the farmer doesn't look at the barren ground and say, in the name of Jesus, God produce corn. He doesn't look at it, snap his finger, say a quick prayer, and say, God, let there be a harvest. He sows. He labors. He tends the fields. But listen, he does that with expectation. Or I want to say hope. Here we go back to the hope in Romans chapter 5. Amen. He does that with the hope of what? That God is going to send rain. He sweats. He works. He toils. He sows. He pulls weeds. He tends. He makes sure. Amen. That critters are out. He takes care of that field. He takes care of that. Amen. That crop. In expectation that God is going to send the rain. It says in verse 7, Behold the farmer, the husbandman, waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. Amen. Amen. He doesn't give up when his crop doesn't come to harvest right away. Right. So when it doesn't come to harvest quickly, when it isn't microwaved, isn't it amazing that we've been given the opportunity to not have to get park our car get out of our car, swing our feet out of the car, walk our little selves into a restaurant and stand in line and order and carry it out and then get back in our car, deal with people in the process. Amen. Isn't it amazing that we have been given drive-thrus and we want a custom bus if it lasts longer than two minutes? How dare? I've only got ten minutes for lunch. That's your fault. <laughs> Not the girl cook's fault. Come on, somebody. Amen. We all do it. We've all done it. My Lord. We, 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 it ain't even been three minutes of our life. You feel charged. Come on. My Lord. My Lord. My Lord. My Lord. Hallelujah. Come on. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Because, amen, it's just like the farmer. He does not, amen, give up when he does not get a harvest right away. Amen. He keeps on working even when the crop can't be seen at all. Even when there's no evidence, amen, of anything taking place, he still tends the crop. He still works the field. He still takes the time and he labors. Can I get somebody to hear what James is trying to tell these that have cried out, these harvesters that have cried out to God for unjust treatment? He's saying be patient. Hallelujah. He keeps on working even when the crop can't be seen at all. He waits. He waits depending on things that are out of his own power and he keeps his eyes on the heavens. Amen. What? He watches for rain. He waits for things that are out of his control. He has no power over the rain. He has no control over the rain. So he keeps his eyes. He keeps on waiting. And he keeps on trusting. But he keeps his eyes on the heavens. Amen. Anticipating rain. Can I get somebody? Do I have to explain that to you in the spirit? Why is it then that we get discouraged when we can't see the seed that we have sown and God has promised. Hallelujah. But he said be patient in the process. And we take our eyes off of the source.
source of blessing, off of the source of victory. Amen. But the farmer keeps his eyes on the heavens. And despite changing circumstances and uncertainties, the farmer is encouraged by the value of the harvest. He's encouraged by what the harvest is going to bring. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight. Amen. I knew there would be a lot of shouting. Praise God. Because nobody likes patience, especially in a process. But get this. What can the farmer do? He has no other option. But to wait on the one who is in control. But to wait on the one and trust in the things that he does not have control over. See, the farmer understands that it does no good to give up. He, he understands that even though he can't see evidence of the crop, he cannot neglect tending the field. He knows that he can't give up. But here's the thing. The farmer also understands season. By this time in our process, and where the 95% of us that is in this house are, we should understand seasons. I do. Sometimes I wish I didn't, but I understand seasons. So the farmer knows it does no good to give up. So James is saying, consider, behold, pay attention to the farmer who waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience. Macrothumio. <laughs> Macrothumio. See, the farmer does his something waiting for God to do his something, knowing that when God adds his something to the farmer's something, everybody's going to get something. Amen? So he, he, he waits on the, amen, on God. He does his something while he waits on God to do his something. And when God adds his something to the farmer's something, all get something. The treasure that pearl of great price. Do you understand what God is saying? And can I tell you, patience isn't passive. Patience isn't passive. We don't sit and wait for God to do something. We keep tending. We keep sowing. We keep toiling. We keep laboring. We keep doing it with integrity. We keep doing it with excellence because we're doing it as unto God. The process stinks. The process hurts. Come on. But there's a pearl of great price. So he says, keep up your courage. Be patient. Don't give up. Keep working even though you can't see anything. Keep on sweating and toiling even though it looks like and feels like you're not getting much of it. Those that want to see Jesus. Those that understand why they're doing what they're doing. James said, keep up your courage. 
It's translated in the complete Jewish Bible. He says, stabilize your hearts. That's right. Stabilize your hearts. You know what stabilize means? Refuse to change. Refuse to change your heart. David said, my heart is fixed on you. Yes, yes, yes. My heart's not fixed. On what I am looking for, my heart is fixed on you, God. When you try, and you try, and you try to conceive a child, and it doesn't happen, but yet there's people standing in line, paying money to destroy the very thing that you long for. Having no regards. When you're, when you're in that place of singleness, and it seems like that it's never something that that appointment September 15th on our calendar 2023 that appointment was written and made long before any government on this earth was established it's an appointed time it's God's season the fall feast so something is going to happen some things are going to happen. What I don't know. I believe that whatever is coming on the horizon in the fall season could very well cause an irritant in our mantle. And we're going to have to be patient. And we're going to have to trust the one who is in control. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? I'm not a prophet, and I'm not prophesying. But I am telling you that based on the word, 
We're moving quickly. Things are rapidly taking place. We are at the place where the third temple is about to be again being built in Jerusalem. And when the Jews and the Palestinians come to this peace agreement, they're going to start sharing the Holy Mount. And that's when the Jews are going to give, be given permission to build their temple. Because it's going to be a shared thing. The drawings, everything, according to what's been said, the drawings, everything, all of the furniture, everything is already ready. It's there. We know that there, the red heifers have arrived. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, listen, listen. Keep your heart stabilized because the coming of the Lord is imminent. Don't relinquish to the enemy. Are you with me? I'm yep. about to finish. Somebody say, Praise God. Go ahead. Praise God. But then he said in verse 9, don't grumble. Don't grumble. Don't grumble. Do you know what grumbling is? Discontentment. When we grumble, we're discontent. Come on. you got to trust the process. Why? Because God is faithful. Can I tell you that grumbling is basically saying you're better than God? Grumbling is basically saying you know better than God. And you're better than He is. Because if this stuff wasn't happening, blah, 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 blah. Come on, we're all guilty. I ate this and crawled under my desk. <laughs> Don't grumble. It's, 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 it's like saying that you know better than God. We don't know better than God. God, it would be better if, if, this, if it would be like this. And things would happen like this. And, and, and come on, somebody. Grumbling is discontentment. So I say, move on. Say, move on. Verse 10. See that in my soul. Then he said in verse 10. Now this is, this is what he's doing as he's telling them to be patient. To endure the process. That judgment is going to come. And recompense is going to come. God will do for you what he has said he would do. But continue. And think about the patience of the farmer. Now he says, look at the prophets. They are examples of patience. They endured harsh treatment. The prophet Ezekiel had to lay on his side for 390 days. Yeah. Hosea had to marry Gomer, who was a harlot. That left him. And God said, take her back. Take her back. When she shows up, take her back. Don't 
Give up on her. Come on, somebody. But wait for her when she leaves. They put, they put the prophet Jeremiah in stocks and put him in prison. And he had to wait patiently. Are you with me? God, 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 God you gotta, you got to listen to what God is saying. He said because the judge is at the door. So what's the judge at the door for? To assess your faithfulness. The judge is at the door. So don't give up. Don't give in. Don't back up. Don't bow down. Don't relinquish. Don't turn to the right or the left. Hold on. Hang on. Press. Push. Pray. Persevere. Whatever. Keep on running. Fall down. Get up. Fall down. Get up. Fall down. Get up. Every time the righteous falls and he gets up, uh, hallelujah, he'll keep right on going. Come on, somebody. Do you hear me? Uh, hallelujah. No matter how many times he falls down, uh, he can get back up. Uh, he even went on to say, remember the patience of Job? Amen. He said, God said that he used Job as a lesson. He used him as a lesson. You understand that? Hallelujah. Because listen, amen. He said, you saw the end of the Lord. You saw the Lord at the end of Job's suffering. Amen. Listen to what he said. Hallelujah. In the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, I'm paraphrasing. But, but, but Paul said that through the church... God shows the rulers and the authorities in heaven that they can learn how much wisdom that he really has. So God uses us as a lesson of the faithfulness and how he can take anything, amen, and make it for good. So our suffering serves a greater purpose than even the pearl of great price. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. Because he said, remember the patience of Job, amen, and you see the end of the Lord in Job's life. Can I put that in heavenly terms? If he'll do it for Job, he'll do it for you. Hallelujah. He will be faithful to those who trust him. Amen. And say, so get ready to come to the music. He ended that in verse 11. And he said, the Lord is very merciful. He said, the Lord is very merciful. Merciful and compassionate. Hallelujah. I'm here tonight because of God's patience with me. I'm here tonight because he never gave up on me. He had mercy on me. He was compassionate. It says his mercy is very great. But let me tell you something. If God ever gets impatient, we're done. We're finished. If God ever gets impatient, then we are done. But the Lord is very compassionate. Great mercy. Yes. Tender mercy. 
He's not going to treat you unjustly. He's not going to treat you like you're a wretch. He's not going to beat you. He's not going to punish you. Can I tell you that God doesn't even desire for one person in this building to go to hell. It's not his desire. He's not going to sit and keep bringing up all of your wrongs and all of your filthy paths and all of your failures and all of your mistakes and all of your sins. He's not going to sit and keep bringing it up. That's what Jesus died for. Because the accuser of the brethren stands in the courts of heaven. He says, but you, Joanna, you said this, you said that, you did this, you did that, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you did that. But Jesus says, stop. Because he's our advocate. He's our attorney. And he says, stop. You have no right. See, that's why we get to the place and the growth and the treasure in us that we understand we have authority in the courts of heaven and that when we stand in the courts of heaven and the enemy begins to accuse us, before he has the chance to accuse us, we take authority over him. It happens. Satan still has access to heaven. There'll come a time in the Help me, Jesus. In the millennial reign, when they'll be cast and be bound, and he'll not be allowed to accuse us anymore. But then he'll be released for a season. Are you with me? He can. God is not going to sit and go over your list when you stand before him right now needing his mercy. He's not going to stand as the great judge and say, well, you know, Shelby, you did this and you said that and you done this. If we are his and we are trusting, are you with me? He's not going to go over that list again and again and again. And if that's happening in your head and your mind, that's demon. That's hell. That's the assault. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. That's what Satan means, accuser. That's why, the, that's why in the Hebrew, he's the Satan. He's the accuser. Because you can be Satan. We can't. Satan is a word in the Hebrew that we can we can be Satan, we can be accusatory. But it's he is the ultimate accuser of the brethren. Hasatan, the accuser. And so if he is accusing you and reminding you, if that happens to you day by day by day by day, that's hell. That is not the voice of God. But God's mercies are tender. Now, I'm not saying we don't deserve to be beat up. 
We don't deserve to have a checklist and we have to go it over and over and remind us of how wretched we are. We don't, it's not saying that we don't deserve that, but Jesus died in our place and bore that curse. And so now, through the blood of Jesus, when we stand before the mercy seat, we're justified. We are justified by that blood. Stay with me all across this place. Patience in the process. I know, again, this hasn't been a shout message. But God is speaking to us. He's bringing us into that place.